0: I fell asleep while running. I had to lie down on the on the trail and, and sleep a bit until I woke up from the cold 15 minutes later and carry on. And then Joe was hallucinating at, at one point. But then, yeah, the sun rose and, and we still didn't run into each other. And then the sun got up a bit higher. And then finally we saw each other. And, and that moment was beyond the... Uh, yeah, you're not able to describe it because... Both of us had been through such a horrendous night, and then the sun rises and, and you see the mountains again, and then you see your, your friend who's been with you for 48 days in, in very rough conditions, and then, yeah, that was a, a glorious moment.
1: Episode 290, the current Pacific Crest Trail speed record holder, Carl Saba. This episode is sponsored by Health IQ. If you're exercising regularly, don't you think you deserve a special rate on life insurance? Find out how much you can save by taking the health quiz for your adventure sport at healthiq.com adventure. A few minutes on their site could save you a bunch on your life insurance. Get rewarded for all your hard work at healthiq.com adventure. You're listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast brought to you by 180 Tech. We talk with adventurers from around the globe to bring you the inspiration and motivation you need to get started in the outdoors or to keep you moving if you're already there. Now here's your host, Kurt Linville.
2: Hello friends, Kurt here. Thank you so much again for listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast. Excited to visit with Carl Saba today. Carl is in Ghent, Belgium, and he's on the horn to talk to us about his record-breaking feat doing the fastest through hike of the Pacific Crest Trail. He broke that record just last summer, 2016. And he's also done some really cool other things like the Marathon de Saab and also uh, a coast-to-coast New Zealand trip. And I'm going to have to get more information from him about that. But Carl, welcome to the program.
0: Yeah, thanks a lot, Kurt. I'm uh, happy to, uh, to be here.
2: Well, Carl, this is an amazing thing. Um, you ran the Pacific Crest Trail in 52 days, 8 hours, and 25 minutes. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm already used to it now, but at the time when I was even considering doing that, uh, it seemed incredible to me as well. It still does, but a year later, uh, or almost a year later, it it feels normal now. Right.
2: Well, let's come back to that because I want to hear the details about what it was like to to cover that much ground that fast on that trail. It's just an
0: amazing feat. But first,
2: let's get the backstory. So um, you're from Belgium and you're a dentist.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, My regular profession is uh, is dentistry.
2: And how is it that you find time to be an ultra runner and a dentist at the same time?
0: Um, So when I uh, decided to go for the PCT record um, I switched from full-time dentist job to a more or less part-time one um, so I, I would have time during the week as well to do some really ro- long runs like on Wednesday I was free on Thursday mornings I was free and then I had the weekends to do uh, some extra training as well
2: mm. well that's kind of cool you know An awful lot of people who are dentists would probably say, you know, dentist is more than a full-time gig. I don't see how I could have time to do it. But you found a way to go part-time.
0: Yeah. Um, So part of that possibility is that um, I don't have my own practice yet. So I'm working in two uh, joint practices, which makes it possible for me to change into a part-time. I don't think that's perfectly possible if you have your own uh, practice with your own uh, patients. Um, but for me, uh, I graduated a few years ago. I don't have my own practice yet. And this was something I could do.
2: Ah, I see. That's really cool. But that also tells me something about you. You must value your running, your ultra running career quite a lot if you're going to give up, you know, being a full-time dentist for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's true. Um I'm, I'm passionate by, uh, by running, by nature, by uh, ad- adventure. Um, and for me, uh, I'm, I'm gladly uh, reducing my, my income uh, to be able to do something extraordinary and adventurous like, uh, like running a PCT and training mm-hmm. for that.
2: Well, I love that because, you know, the Adventure Sports Podcast is all about um, helping people to get a balanced life, to go out Mm -hmm. and do fun, challenging things, to connect with nature, to become more physically fit, healthier, all that kind of stuff. Um, We've interviewed a lot of people who said, you know what, I I know what the the normal Western world is like, but I want something different. And they've had to make some kind of tough life choices, but they almost Mm -hmm. all come back and say, you know what, it was so worth it. The experiences I've had, do you feel that way yourself?
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah i've done it in the in the past as well so i started working full-time as a dentist Um, but then i decided at one point i was going to quit completely for a yeah almost a year Um, just to be able to travel and to uh, yeah to live some adventures before getting more fixed into a a, yeah a job or or a practice Right. Um, so that was, those are all decisions that make you the person that you eventually become. And I think if you make choices like that in a much shorter time, you have so much uh, experience uh, that you can use for the rest of your life. Uh, you meet so many people and, and, and see so many places.
2: Oh yeah, no doubt it. it it enriches your life and gives you a perspective yep. that you can use from then on, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And even in my daily life, I can use many of those things I've seen and, and experienced like during the PCT or or other travels.
2: Oh, yeah, I, I don't doubt that for a second. I know that what you learn about yourself, if nothing else, carries over to being able to manage life on a different level. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. very neat stuff. Let's talk a little bit about your coast-to-coast New Zealand. Yeah. Um, Was this your first big event? Is this what really got you hooked on ultra sports?
0: Yeah, exactly. So uh, I was a long-time soccer player. Yeah, because of studying, um, I stopped playing soccer for two years because I moved to another city. Um, And then I restarted soccer, but at at a much lower uh, level. Um, And it didn't satisfy me anymore. The, The trainings were... Yeah, I got ho- back home with uh, so much energy left and, and it wasn't satisfying me anymore. And during uh, a long travel in, in New Zealand, I heard about uh, an epic race called the Coast to Coast, um, in which you run, kayak, and, and cycle across the, the southern island of, of New Zealand um, in one day. And um, at the time of, of quitting soccer, I was thinking, yeah, do I do an, an Ironman or a half Ironman? Um, but that seemed pretty, yeah, theoretical to me. Like when you train for an Ironman, it's, you have to train this many hours at that pace and at that heart rate zone. Um, and that didn't really interest me that much. But the coast to coast is something, yeah, it's a mountain run, you kayak uh, 67 kilometers, which is like yeah, 40 miles or something. Um, yeah, it's so different and so much more uh, adventurous. And then, yeah, I just signed up and, and started training. I, I didn't kayak before, but um, I had enough time and, and started going for it.
2: So you did this this really, uh, let's call it a multi-sport. Some people might say yeah. it's a triathlon, but um, you're kayaking it's, instead of swimming, right? So Yeah, yeah. Uh, running, uh, cycling, and kayaking. So when you did this race yeah then it must have impacted you because you kept doing ultra events after that so what was it like yeah,
0: yeah it was such a an eye-opener really it was so adventurous and and i met like-minded people there um and and from then on i thought okay this is truly where my my heart is at um and also while training for it um and while doing the race i started realizing i'm pretty talented at endurance because yeah, I, I pushed the, the kilometers during the training and the hours and, and my body could take just about everything I, I was asking from it. So then it got me wondering like, yeah, shouldn't I be doing more of this and especially running because running seemed to be really my, uh, my sport.
1: Mm.
2: So for someone who's not a runner, could you explain to them why you enjoy running? A lot of people, they, they go out their door to run and it might be their first time out, you know, but they, they go out and they come back and they go, I just don't get it. That hurt. That was hard. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So why do you enjoy running? What is it that pulls you back?
0: Um, so I think for me personally, uh, it's important. Yeah. Most of my runs are, are off-road. Uh, so on trails and, and forests uh, on the countryside. Uh, and that makes a, a huge difference if i if I go for a 15 kilometer run in the city yeah I'm not that motivated either or or the enthusiasm is yeah I'm also checking out my watch and how long is this yeah still going on and and um, but for me yeah my passion of running is 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 in nature running it's it's so uh free and and yeah you don't think that you're running and, and you just enjoy being out there and and your your head's getting empty and and you just get into a a nice state of of just being in nature and and sometimes you just stop and and have a look uh, at the uh, the scenery that's uh, in front of you that's uh yeah where i get my enjoyment of of running mm.
2: you know I, I like that a lot and i have also found it's part of the reason why we, we do the Adventure Sports Podcast, to be candid. Mm-hmm. I've found that if I pick a sport that I really enjoy, then I'm going to get more exercise.
0: Yeah, because if I go out
2: to exercise just for the sake of exercising, well, it takes a different type of motivation, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I, I would say to everybody, yeah, find your own sport. If it's swimming, if it's cycling, if it's running or, or anything. But yeah, running is, is really accessible, but it's not – the best sport for many people so I don't think you should yeah just keep on trying to run and, and do it uh, without having fun then you should consider uh, another sport and, and find your uh, enjoyment there
2: and I've also found that over time my interest varies from sport to sport as well so mm-hmm. um you know, this year I've been enjoying mountain biking and a lot, and I did last year too. It's just become one of my favorite yeah. things to do, but I still love backpacking, but I haven't climbed yeah. a 14er yet this year, you know, because okay. I'm spending my time on the bike instead of on the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. And it used to be, it was all about the 14ers, but that's okay because yeah. as our interests change, then we can adjust and, and we still get the exercise. So
0: yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what I think as well. Oh, that's
2: great. So, let's talk a little bit. You mentioned that the coast-to-coast New Zealand was very adventurous and that you liked yeah. that. Yeah. So, what is adventure to you? Uh,
0: yeah, it's hard to describe. It's yeah, I think the biggest part of adventure is is the unknown, just uh, getting out somewhere and, and to lose control because, yeah, when you're running in nature, you lose control a bit and... and and you don't know what's uh, coming up, and and uh, I think that's adventure to me—just the unknown and and yeah, the state of mind of where you let go of not knowing what's going to come, and and you don't care that, that you don't know it exactly.
2: Mm, so it's about the discovery and the unknown. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah I like that. So like the coast answer. to coast, it was yeah. I mean, it was one hundred and forty kilometer uh cycling 36 running and 67 kayaking uh that's kilometers um and you just don't know at all what's coming up i i did a part of the kayaking section but only uh, a part of it and and during the races yeah you're curious about what's coming up around the next band and and you don't know how your body will react but i was just so excited all the time i was just on adrenaline uh, from start to finish.
2: Mm. That's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So you found your passion and you realized yeah. that running was your favorite, but you liked these ultra sports. And yeah. uh so then came the Marathon to Saab. and we've done yeah. the we've done several shows on the Marathon to Saab now, even though I I would say it's not a race that is that well known. It's very well known among the ultra runners, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, that's right. But it, just a quick summary for our listeners who haven't heard before: Marathon des Sables is through the Sahara Desert, uh, mostly self-supported, and you're running about a marathon a day, and then on one day you run almost a double marathon. And is it a six or a seven-day race?
0: Uh, it has uh, f- uh, six stages during in seven days. So, wow! You get you get two days for the for the long stage.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's an amazing feat, and we've done entire shows on it, but mm-hmm. I can't imagine running in the sand and running in the heat, those kinds of distances day after day after day. What was that like?
0: Yeah, so for me, one of the, the biggest reasons that I signed up for it was because I already knew I was going to run the PCT. Um, and as I'm from Belgium, our climate is really... Moderate and and it rains a lot. It's it doesn't get too hot, doesn't get too cold. Um, but the first yeah six or seven hundred miles of of PCT is is just um, desert at its at its hottest uh, because you start late June when you start running, and I didn't want to risk yeah getting there unexperienced in in desert conditions. Um, and so the marathon de Sable was about two months or three months before the PCT, which gave me the time to evaluate my performance and, and correct um, yeah, parts that needed to be better or that I needed to pay attention for during the, the PCT.
2: Wow. So you ran the Marathon de Saab as a warm-up, <laughs>
0: as a shakedown
2: <laughs> yeah. for the PCT run, and the Marathon yeah. de Saab is huge. Of course, the PCT yeah. is bigger, right? But, I mean, the Marathon yeah, yeah. de Saab <laughs> is amazing. Yeah. So what did you learn from the marathon to sob?
0: Um I learned a lot about how to treat your feet in in such conditions. Um how to keep from just getting blisters that you yeah would keep you from from running at all. Um I learned about hydration and about not just drinking water but how important electrolytes are. Um I knew how much I was sweating. Um I knew yeah, how my body was reacting after a few hours in the heat. Um, so, yeah, that was definitely crucial in, in, in doing the PCT. Earlier,
2: you mentioned that running for you, running through town is, yeah, you know, whatever, it's not that exciting, but you love to connect with nature through your running.
0: Yeah. yeah. So
2: how was running through the sand dunes of the Sahara for you?
0: Yeah, I mean... I used to be not such a fan of, uh, of desert conditions, but over the years that has changed uh, because I went to the American Southwest a few times. And then I went to Namibia uh, near South Africa and then started yeah really appreciating yeah desert conditions and, and how desolate they are. And so for me running the Marathon de Sable was yeah just a beautiful experience and, and the sunsets in the, in the desert and then the, the starry skies at night. Um, uh, that was definitely part of, of finding energy to keep on running.
2: Yeah. Mm. So do you prefer running in the day or at night on the marathon to sob?
0: Uh, well, only at the long stage you run at night. Um, but so, yeah, in such hot conditions, I, I definitely prefer, uh, running at night. It's, uh, always a special atmosphere as well.
1: Mm.
2: I have not been to the Sahara. I have been yeah. to the Great Sand Dunes in Colorado, and when you go up into the sand dunes, you kind of get the same feel—just miles and miles and miles of of monstrous dunes in all directions, yeah. and it's magical.
0: Yeah, it is. Dunes are, are yeah, and and desert is it's it's amazing. You know
2: the the shapes that it forms. It's almost like skin, you know, flowing yeah. skin, and then the wind is sculpting them, and then. The sunlight as as the sun changes its angle across the sky, the dunes take on all different sorts of characteristics and yeah. i I just found it so magical, so beautiful.
0: yeah it is, but for me, it took me some time i I used to not like the desert, I thought it was dead and and dry, but there's so much life in desert uh, you need to do some effort to see it, but it's there and and, and yeah desert conditions are. Yeah they really have something magical.
2: Mm. So how hot was it on the marathon de Saab?
0: Um it was a really dry edition. Um yeah, I mean it never rains but the humidity was at at 7% or something which was oh. yeah, extremely low. Um and yeah, temperatures got up to 50 degrees Celsius but that would be I think 115 Fahrenheit, something maybe wow. one hundred and yeah, something like that. Uh, so yeah, I did get my PCT training, <laughs> or or they were the conditions were more extreme than uh, than in the Mojave Desert.
2: Mm, I just typed it in because I that conversion is hard to do in your head.
0: One hundred and
2: twenty-two degrees Fahrenheit.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> so it was a bit over that even. So yeah, it was crazy. Ah, uh,
2: I can't imagine. You know when the that's ambient it. temperature is that much higher than your body temperature, and you're running and trying to stay hydrated.
0: Yeah, um, but so that's also part of the of the MDS, so the marathon de sable. Um, that actually for the elite runners, say top fifty, top hundred, it's actually easier sometimes than than for the people who take many more hours to to finish a, a stage. Because for me it was. Yeah. Every day, four or five hours of running. And by the time I got really, yeah, I started feeling less good. I, I arrived and, and I could sit in the, in the shade of the, of the tent for the rest of the day. But the people who, who have to walk many parts or, or who run slower for them, yeah, they had to run in, in that heat for, for 10 hours a day or, oh. yeah. So there,
2: there's a benefit to being quick.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely um yeah it's it's uh known for for all competitors as well if you run the mds fast it's so much easier than if you do it still because every day as well i started getting blister feelings by the end of the stage but i just got to the finish in time to take off my shoes and and air dry them a bit but all those people who take longer get Blisters on the first day, then the second day, they get worse. Third day, they are, yeah. And then, yeah, it's a, a known sight during the MDS, people suffering with their feet. Oh, um,
2: yeah, no doubt. I mean, it, yeah, the yeah. sand, I mean, no matter what kind of a gaiter you use, you're going to get some yeah. sand in your shoes. You're running <laughs> with that abrasion. Ugh.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly.
2: Wow. So how did you do? It sounds like you were one of the front runners. How, how did you finish? Uh,
0: yeah, I ended thirty seventh of uh, of one thousand two hundred, so I was uh, on schedule for uh, or feeling confident for the PCT as well at that time.
2: So that's yeah, that's really really good. You're you're saying you're in the top four um, percent, right?
0: Something like that. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Excellent, man. That's something. Yeah. And for you to set the speed record on the PCT, you would have to be in that kind of shape.
0: Yeah, so- definitely.
2: Yeah, I just, I'm always fascinated by the Marathon to Saab. Part of that is because of the location. Hey friends, Kurt here. You know, we might have the healthiest audience of any podcast on the planet. I don't know. It, it it just seems to me that people that are out there doing adventure sports have to be pretty healthy. They appreciate being healthy and they love to get out there and move And we recently got a new sponsor, Health IQ, and they reward people who love to be healthy. This is cool stuff. So, do you exercise five times a week? If so, then you probably think you deserve a different rate on your life insurance. You're not the smoker. You're not the one who's out there abusing his or her body and and having a lot of health issues that result. Instead, you're out there moving and eating right and doing right things. So shouldn't your premiums be lower? Health IQ uses science and data to secure special rates on life insurance for health-conscious people like cyclists, runners, strength trainers, vegans, and more. Matter of fact, research shows that those who frequently exercise with some intensity have a 22% lower cancer risk, a 56% lower heart disease risk, and up to a 34% lower risk of an early death. So why not get rewarded for that? Historically, you get penalized for your family history, body mass index, and other attributes, but you don't get rewarded for your health-conscious lifestyle. Well, Health IQ does reward you for your health-conscious lifestyle with special rates on life insurance. How cool is that? To get more information and a free quote, go to healthiq.com forward slash Adventure and make sure you do use that forward slash adventure. That makes sure that they know where you heard about them on the Adventure Sports Podcast. So healthiq.com forward slash adventure. Let's change locations. Let's come to the U S to the Pacific yep. crest trail. And let's start by describing what this trail is. So how long was your run?
0: Uh, and miles, 2,650 miles. So two thousand six hundred and two thousand six hundred and fifty
2: 2,650 miles. It is mm, amazing. And did you take any zero days or did you run every day?
0: No, I had one uh, short day because I got a heat stroke and then I ran uh, 30 miles. So,
2: oh, it was a short day, was 30 miles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And the Pacific Crest Trail goes from Mexico to Canada mm-hmm. and it goes to California, Oregon, and Washington, right? Yeah. You yeah. go through the Sierra Nevadas, you go through mm. the Cascades and yeah. other. Intermediate mountain ranges along the way. Yeah. Um, let's see. It's the equivalent of doing Everest how many times?
0: Um. What was it again? Seventeen times, I think.
2: Seventeen times.
0: Yeah. Seventeen. Wow. So yeah. So, at at my pace, I was doing uh, three thousand alti or um, elevation meters a day. Uh, on average.
2: 3,000 meters a day. And Is that just up and, uh, or up
0: and down? That's up and down.
2: Up and down. So yeah. that's almost 10,000 feet. So you're, uh, covering, yeah, yeah. you're covering almost two miles just up and down. <laughs> so, uh, uh, here's yeah, the, yeah, that's
0: right.
2: <laughs> here's the crazy part about this. Um, for someone like you who's, who's trained his body to do it, it's amazing that the human body can do it. But for someone who's not trained into that, for someone that says, you know, I'm going to go run a 5K and, and they hurt for five days after that. You know what I'm saying? This just sounds like it's mind blowing. How is it even possible for the human body to take that kind of punishment?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And for me, that was part of my interest in, in doing something like that as well to see. Yeah. I mean, it was a special experience as well to, to realize the, the strength of the human body. It's, it's incredible.
2: Mm. I mean, yeah. not
0: not just me, but yeah, other ultra runners or other endurance athletes or, or people who get stuck somewhere on a hike and they recover um, incredibly and, and make it back to to a safe place. Or yeah, that's uh,
2: well, I've heard it said that the human body is made for distance, perhaps more than any animal that's in nature. Yeah. Animals are made yeah. to go really fast, but maybe not really long, and that humans yeah, are designed to just keep going.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Uh and that was my uh my feeling as well.
2: Hmm. Well, let's go back and kind of do the play-by-play then. So you started in Mexico mm-hmm. and you said it was late June.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah. So you ha- have to yeah, you only have like a 2 week window of starting because if you start too early, the Sierras are still in snow. If you start too late, the cascades will get snow when you're still running there, so uh late June is kind of the the time to start.
2: Okay. And then the the first say third of the run is is mostly desert conditions, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, I don't remember exactly, but I think the first uh, I think on day 16 or something, I was hitting the Sierras. And before that, it was all desert. And mm. the Sierras are still desert, but because of the altitude, you get streams and, and snow. So that was a uh, nice for a change. Right.
2: And so let's go ahead and talk about your time again. 52 days, 8 hours and 25 minutes, mm-hmm. which is just amazing. Um, now, this is supported. You had people there yeah. that could help you along the way. So yeah. um, how are you supported? That's, I guess, the first question.
0: Yeah. So I got the yeah lucky uh, because a good friend and, and actually my brother-in-law um, was able to take two months off to join me for this adventure. Um, because actually after the coast-to-coast in New Zealand we were traveling there for a a month and it was then the first time that I was saying yeah there's something I'm considering Uh, and I I explained him about the PCT and then to my surprise what he said was okay if you ever do something as crazy as that I'll join you and I'll support you all the way and yeah a year and a half later he stood to his word and and he did it and, and we had a a really hard and crazy time, but it's yeah, it was so special sure. to to do that uh, with with two people.
2: Oh, that's great. So he yeah. had some sort of a follow vehicle that he could he could go and make sure that you had food and and yeah. all the supplies yeah. you need. What kind of a yeah, vehicle exactly. did you guys use?
0: Uh, so we rented a, a four wheel drive. Um, yeah, and so almost always he had to park it somewhere and then hike. Slash run towards me uh, to make it in time to meet up with me again.
2: So how did you sleep at night?
0: Um, usually he, uh, Joe, so my friend, had, uh, had the tent pitched already. Um, so by satellite phones, I was estimating how long I could make it for that day. Uh, or we had a, a schedule made uh, at the mor- in the morning. Uh, and then he pitched the tent, and I arrived quickly, ate something, and and went to sleep.
2: Mm. So you're sleeping on the ground.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think three nights we were able to sleep in a hotel that was uh, coincidentally on on the trail somewhere, or really close to the trail. Right.
2: Wow. So, you yeah. know, when we uh, interviewed Carl Meltzer about his AT run, he had a mm-hmm. he had a van with a bed in it. And yeah. <laughs> he was able to sleep on that bed every night. So uh, you had so, the additional challenge of sleeping on the ground.
0: Yeah. Uh but to be honest, for me, yeah, that is I mean, it doesn't even make a difference to me. I sleep super well on on a a mattress, like a, an air mattress. Um and and yeah, it's my favorite place to sleep in a tent in, in nature, so I'm not going to yeah, use it for me. To say it was a, yeah, something extraordinary because I, I enjoyed sleeping in a tent.
2: Sure, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, we, we, there, I know that runners out there are saying, okay, they have a thousand questions. Like, did you use the same pair of shoes the whole time? Or how many pair of shoes did you rotate through?
0: Uh, I rotated seven pairs of, of shoes. Seven? Yeah.
2: Wow. Yeah. So seven uh, pairs because, of
0: shoes. Yeah, and by the end, they were yeah, all more or less uh, worn out. <laughs> uh, my little toe kept on picking through uh, his way.
2: And what what brand and model a shoe do you prefer?
0: Um since the beginning of trail running I used uh, an ASIC Essex, uh, Essex um trail running shoe um which was comfortable to me and I, I didn't I never uh, took the yeah the time to try other shoes or, or brands. See so you find uh, what works
2: me, and stick to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, it was a good combination of of having enough cushioning and and still feeling the the yeah the ground underneath. Like you don't, you wouldn't trip or or twist your ankle uh, because it was too high or something.
2: Okay, how many calories were you going through every day?
0: Um, so I was running with the uh, with the Strava app. Uh, that many, yeah runners and cyclers use Um, and that gives an estimation of how many calories you burn Um, and that was saying I was doing about 8000 a day Um, but that application doesn't know the the temperature it doesn't know that I'm running with a backpack Um, it doesn't include my recovery at night or or just my basic uh, need of energy so my estimation would be about 10,000 a day, something like that. I was
2: going to say, you're doing 10,000 yeah. a day. And considering yeah. most of us would do very well on 2,000, <laughs> that's, <Yeah. laughs> that's five times more food. How did yeah. you eat that much and run at the yeah. same time? That's yeah. Logistically, that's difficult.
0: Yeah, yeah. so that was uh, one of the biggest issue issues. Um, yeah, To be sure, I was going to make it because if you cannot take them in, you lose so much weight and and i think eventually with the lack of sleep you become ill and or sick and and you have to give up um also i knew that joe um so the previous record holder lost like uh 20 pounds during his run and i was like okay if i will go through that i'm i'm going to get sick or or just pass out uh, so um, before flying to the United States, I, I trained my stomach to, yeah, uh, digest while running. Um, and then during the PCT, I got so good at it that I was running with, uh, with pizza slices and I could just eat everything without having to take a nap or something. I could just keep on running.
2: <laughs> so eating <laughs> while running.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, your stomach does get used to it. It just takes some time to, uh, to get used to that, but it's possible, especially because when you're ultra running, yeah, you're running on a aerobic uh, heart rate and, and uh, I mean, you're not running at a marathon pace because then, of course, you would not be able to do that. But, yeah, at the pace of ultra running, it's possible to eat just everything that you want. Wow. So
2: what types of foods did you do best on? Or was it just a matter uh, of getting
0: calories? Yeah, so at first it was mostly carbs. Um, and then it was just a mixture of, of carbs and, and fats because eventually your body tells you what it, it wants. I was just craving fats and, and um, yeah, that was what I was eating a lot. But then, yeah, I, I know I'm a dentist, but uh, every time I saw Joe, I was drinking a Coke, a Fanta Sprite, and then another Coke for on the go and and was just carbs all the time just because they were, yeah, easy to get in and and um, they they made it possible to get up to 10,000 calories a day.
2: Wow. Yeah, I do know that when I use just carbs on a on a longer event, like, I, I don't know, so let's say I'm going out on a 12-hour hike. Boy, <laughs> I really crave fats and proteins by the yeah, end of the day. Yeah,
0: it, it doesn't take long, no.
2: <laughs> so what did you use for your fats and your protein intake? Uh,
0: so protein intake was really important as well, of course. So, um, as soon as I arrived at camp, I drank a a recovery shake. Um, and then I drank an overnight protein shake as well. So you drink it before you go to bed and then it's slow protein. So during the night, your muscles recover, uh, because of them. Um, and then what was the other thing carbs that you were asking or, uh, the fats. or proteins yeah uh, proteins fats, and yeah. fats yeah. yeah fats were just uh yeah joe was just bringing in pizza and, and and burgers for me i was eating them cold but they were so what my body was craving so it's not that healthy but it's all relative i think if your body needs so many calories um yeah it's it's more healthy to eat it than uh, than just to to starve, uh, I think.
2: Well, how did you maintain your weight by the time you finished? Did you did you manage to hang on to most of it?
0: Yeah, um, I was really skinny, but I think in the end I only lost like ten pounds or something, or or eight maybe. So, so that bad. was a it was a success. Yeah, not bad.
2: Uh, that's that's still a lot of weight loss, but considering what you did. Um, to only lose that amount, that's amazing. That really yeah. is.
0: Um, but also, I was a bit afraid of the, the weight and calorie issue. So I wasn't at my leanest when I started. So before the PCT, it wasn't like I was on a diet or something. I knew I needed my, my reserves and I was going to have to need them. Um, so I was just carrying on my usual diet, just eating heaps uh, of food. Um, but I wasn't like eating salads and and trying to lose weight to be in in the best possible shape because for such an endurance event you don't need to be uh, at your um, leanest but you need to be yeah comfortable and and strong for a uh, for something like that.
2: Mm. So the the previous record holder was Joe McConaughey, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Joe was fifty three six thirty seven so 53 yep. days 6 hours 37 minutes and you were yep. 52 8 hours 25 minutes that's really close you guys are only hours apart
0: yeah yeah that's true and and i just even today i cannot believe what a what a yeah thing he did out there because you have to know for him uh before him the record was yeah he broke it by 5 days or something wow um <laughs> so for me I had his record to to look up to and and to say every day, Okay, I've got three miles more than him, or I've got five miles more than him, but for him, halfway he was three days ahead of of schedule. nobody was uh, yeah uh, going to care I think if you book it by five days or by one day, but still he he almost didn't sleep to to get through those fifty miles a day and and that was something incredible, I think.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. So how many hours per day did you run?
0: Uh, I could see it on my, on my Strava, but I think uh, I averaged 12 to 15 hours, I would say, or, or 10, to, 10 to 15 hours uh, on average, I would say. Yeah. So
2: these are long runs, obviously, yeah, to, to yeah, do this. Yeah. They're long <laughs> runs. So how yeah. much were you able to sleep at night then?
0: Yeah, sleep was uh, the worst. So by the end, um, yeah, that was the the main issue that both of us, uh, Joe and I, were just lacking so much sleep because, yeah, everything that you encounter on the way, it gets into your body. And, and like on day 14, for example, I, I slept two hours. Then I did a 60-mile a run through the Sierras then I slept three hours and then okay I could sleep six hours for a few nights but it all gets into your body and and I think the average time of sleep was like five and a half hours uh, a night
2: wow that's not a lot of sleep for your body to rebuild itself after that kind no. of damage <laughs> running
0: not at all no and and afterwards I I realized even more I mean I was tired for two or three months uh recovering from it
2: yeah yeah, I don't doubt it. Wow. And uh, as you're running, do you, did you get to the point where you felt like you were running in your sleep?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, sometimes I was just falling asleep while running as well. I mean, it didn't happen too often, but sometimes I, I was so that tired that I I just had to lay down. I fell asleep and then I woke up from the cold and, and carried on. Uh, yeah, <laughs> adventurous stuff.
2: Wow. Yeah. So did you ever get to the point where you, you just questioned why you were doing it? Did you stop and say, "I, I maybe I should just stop? Maybe I should just uh, quit and go home?
0: Yeah. So before I started, that was one thing I, I put in my mind. I was saying, I will never consider stopping unless I'm sick or severely injured. or. But if it's somewhere in your head that you might consider giving up you do it on on week 2 or 3 or 4 or whatever but i think you will give up if you have it somewhere in your mind so there's absolutely no choice you cannot consider giving up because then you just do it mm. because you have yeah you're in so much pain and and you lack sleep and you're hungry and and you're so tired and everything hurts and and yeah you just have to realize that you've made a promise to yourself i'm doing this and and you're doing it and in the suffering it's some kind of enjoyment as well because it's so yeah epic that you're doing it and and uh yeah as you said before um the possibilities of the human body i was just experiencing that every day and and that was part of the yeah the drive as well just Realizing it's it's extraordinary.
2: Yeah, well, it is extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary, what you did. I have to ask: Do you remember much of the trail itself? Was it more <laughs> about the running, or did, you, or could you actually describe the trail and say, "Oh, I liked it because of this"?
0: Um, I would say the the second because I I do have a pretty photographical memory, so many parts I can just fly through in my mind and, and remember how it was um, but I did make a, a promise to myself that I'm going to hike it one day as well because actually the way I got to running the PCT was just the idea that I had for a few years that I was going to hike it um, but I wasn't yeah, able to get six months off again before, um, without quitting my job again and, and I was happy at the practices that I was working um. So yeah, then then I could run it uh, in 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 two months. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well,
0: yeah, you know when you can cover that kind of distance, you
2: can get one epic <laughs> trip in in a short period of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: but um, I mean, many people ask me, of course, wasn't it a, a sacrilege? It's it's such a beautiful trail, and and you run it, and and you're so tired. Can you enjoy it? But I really did. It's it's a beautiful trail. I knew parts of it I, I knew it was going to be something for me and i enjoyed it so much every sunrise every sunset and then especially getting into the mountains and and the volcanic parts of, of northern california and oregon and yeah i mean i enjoyed the trail very much definitely
2: oh that's great i'm really glad that that you can say that i'm not sure that every ultra runner does remember the run as well as as that so <laughs> yeah yeah that's fun by now, you certainly know who Bent Gate is. That's for a great reason. Bent Gate Mountaineering has been sponsoring the Adventure Sports Podcast almost from the beginning, and we really appreciate that. They've made it possible for all the great shows to continue coming your way. We want to say thanks by reminding you to go to them for your backcountry gear. If you live in Colorado, then just stop by their store in Golden. If not, go to bentgate.com. They have what you need from the latest ultralight gear to the tried and true classics for climbing, hiking, and camping, like Arcteryx, Hilleberg, Nemo, Western Mountaineering, and many more. Need advice? They have you covered there too. Their staff are passionate adventurers who can offer help from their own experiences. Bentgate also hosts lots of events and speakers. Check out their website to see the schedule and to see all of their products. Help take care of the Adventure Sports Podcast by getting your gear from Bentgate
1: Mountaineering. If you're enjoying the Adventure Sports Podcast with episodes twice a week and want to help support the show and keep it going, go check out our ASP member deal site. For as little as 4 a month, you can enjoy some adventure discounts while supporting our cause. Go to members.adventuresportspodcast.com and sign up for a monthly plan at four ninety five a month or save a little with the annual plan and get your free 180 stove. Thanks for listening, guys.
2: So what did you learn?
0: Partly, I learned uh, a lot about about human interaction, meaning um, the way Joe and I were working together. I mean, it was our project. I mean, he was getting even less sleep than I was because after I went to bed, he was preparing my backpack for the next morning. And then before I woke up, he already brewed some coffee for me. and And we were so close to each other during the record attempt that 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 yeah it it makes you learn something about uh yeah relationships or or how you can can yeah be into something together and and live through the same yeah problems or or hard times and and that was yeah something really special uh to encounter that with somebody that i learned uh, i hadn't experienced that before um and then yeah also yeah i learned exactly now what a human body is is able to do and, and that was so rewarding to mm. be doing it myself not to see somebody do it and and wonder but to be out there myself and and prove that we're full of uh, yeah of energy and, and strengths. I mean, you wouldn't realize when you're doing your daily job, but there's so much in, in, in everybody.
2: Right. Well, what about injuries? Did you make it without substantial injuries?
0: Yeah, I did. Um, I was in pain. Yeah. A lot. I, I had to take, uh, many painkillers. Um, but that was just, uh, my feet that were, horrible and and my hips and and my joints that were aching but I wouldn't say or I wouldn't call them injuries Um, just the day before arriving at the Canadian border my I think left ankle started swelling and that got me uh, worried but yeah it was only 70 miles to go and and, or 60 and I made it without yeah I didn't feel it but um, I knew if that would have been five days earlier that would probably have been the end of my uh, my run mm. which would have been a pity
2: <laughs> well when you were looking at your pace and i know you had to have been comparing it to what joe mcconaughey did um mm. were you concerned whether or not you were going to be able to beat the record did it feel like it was down to the wire for you
0: um yes and no uh so because Joe was uh, so friendly that he sent us his daily mileage. Um, we knew exactly how many miles he was running every day. Um, and that also got us comfortable because we realized yeah, in the desert it's not necessary to run 50 miles a day or to push it to 50 miles a day. We can perfectly start out with 42, 45. And then as Oregon and Washington uh, comes your fitter and, and the terrain is easier. And then you can do 60 milers or, or 65 milers. Um, but so yeah, that was really important to, to know uh, his, his daily mileage. Mm. Um, and then in the Sierra, because it was so hard for Joe, uh, so my supporting <laughs> friend, um, to reply me, um, yeah, we had to make the choice. Okay, do I run with uh, more gear, like sleeping bag and, and emergency equipment and and food, or do we make it really hard and and um, take a day advantage on on the previous record? Um, but then we had to push it really hard, and those were the days that I mentioned earlier that I slept two or three hours. Um, but then that was week two or three, and then we were a day and a half ahead of Joe and then we could only keep up with his daily mileage. And then I lost a bit towards the end and, and I stranded at 22 hours, but all the time I had a day and a half or one day, uh, advantage. So that was comforting, but all the time I knew yeah, the slightest thing has to go wrong and, and it's done. Uh, I won't make it right. How was the weather? Did, did you have good weather? uh yeah it was very stable um i did have a like a, a heat wave or, or i don't know how it's called in the in the mojave desert so joe was telling me uh yeah, on every television they're advising people to stay inside and then i was running there uh for 14 hours in the sun <laughs> running 45 miles and um so that was yeah i did consider Why don't I run everything at night? But for me, yeah, I couldn't take the mental struggle to go through something like that, just seeing the beam of your headlight and and running at night the whole time. For me, yeah, the nature and and the landscape is a very big part of of doing something like it, and I I couldn't uh, run at night. And then in Washington, I did get a few days of rain, which were really miserable because my feet, yeah, it was... Getting kind of trench feed, it's called, I think, when they get really wet and, and they're not able to dry anymore. Uh, but luckily it, it got dry again and, and then, um, yeah, the weather all in all had been really stable.
2: Well, what do you think was the, the hardest part of doing this? I mean, was there one aspect of it that was just the biggest challenge?
0: Uh, afterwards it's it's always hard to remember because you forget the hard parts so easily but I do remember the sleep deprivation was just miserable really I mean the only thing we wanted to do was sleep but there was just no opportunity to do it um, and it's something you really long for just a good night's sleep but there wasn't a single time where I could just sl- sleep long and, and start uh, the day a bit late because yeah it was so important to stay on schedule because if you yeah see you're losing on the on the former record it might get into your head and and you might start doubting and and we didn't want to do that but the sleep deprivation was just pure misery
2: <laughs> oh i can imagine yeah. and it was for both of yeah. you like you were saying joe got to sleep even less yeah. and he was yeah. putting some miles in then to like, yeah, to definitely. meet up with you on the trail, I mean, how many miles was yeah. he putting in?
0: Uh, it depended. Like in the Sierra, um, he had to hike uh, like twenty miles to get to me on a on a pass without a trail. Uh, there was supposed to be a trail, but it wasn't there anymore. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it's still something we re- recall every now and then. It's a pass called Sawmill Pass. And and it looked good on the map because then I had more or less 50 miles for that day, and and uh, further north it was too far, and further south it was too yeah too close to stop for that day. So we took that one, but the trail wasn't there. And and then afterwards, when we were looking up information about the trail, they said, yeah, you definitely need an early start because it's it gets so hard and uh, so hot uh, because it's the eastern side of the of the mountains. Oh. Uh, and then when he started it was at, at two PM or three PM or something, and he arrived at twelve thirty and I arrived at one AM. Uh and then we slept for two hours. He returned to twenty miles. <laughs> I I carried on and I had to do three major passes that day. It was a yeah <laughs> a hard time.
2: Wow. Man, I, yeah. it would be fun to interview him to get his perspective, yeah, yeah. you yeah, know? Because <laughs> what yeah. he did was no small feat either. That's crazy. <laughs> no, That's no. wild.
0: Uh, yeah, and and yeah, I'm really happy that, yeah. I mean, Joe is a... I knew it when he was saying he was considering joining me for something like that. He's the, one of the most optimistic guys that I know, and, and I knew if I'm going to make something like that, it has to be with with a friend like him, who's, who's just even in, in the deepest of of misery, will say, you know, tell a joke or, or make a funny remark or say, okay, uh, uh, it could be worse. Or uh, And that was very important as well. We just had to stay positive. And, and if my support would have been negative, I would have given up. And, and if I would have been negative, he would have uh, left me probably as well. So... We were a, a great team, but Joe was just uh, incredible at the time. Mm.
2: Yeah, I, I see how important that is. Absolutely yeah. critical for the success also, of an endeavor like this.
0: Yeah, and and Joe McConaughey, the former record holder, was uh, supported by three or four friends, so they could um, share tasks. And, and one guy was in charge of the planning. One was giving massages. The other one was preparing the food. For me, it was just Joe, and, and he was just... Yeah, multitasking wow. like, like crazy. He was updating uh, on Facebook and, and making some videos as well. He was doing laundry. He was planning everything. He was dr- yeah, shopping uh, for food. And, and yeah, it was just crazy.
2: Man, his days were, <laughs> were even longer than yours, maybe not distance wise, yeah, yeah. but time wise. Yeah. What he yeah, had to yeah. do.
0: That's, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, well, yeah.
2: what about one of the very best moments on the trip? Can you just describe to us what it felt like?
0: Uh, yeah, I, there's one moment that will always stand out, and, and it was five days before the Canadian border. And, and Joe was going to meet me at, I think I was going to do 58 miles or something that day, or 60 miles even. Um, but then as he got onto the trail that he was going to take, he realized the trail wasn't there anymore. It was washed out. Um, and people on the internet, um, remarked that they tried it and it took them 14 hours to complete it or something. Um, so he realized he couldn't take that trail. And then he called to me on the, on the satellite phone and said, yeah, okay, I'm going to take the, the next trail. Uh, that's a bit further north. And, and I was scrolling down my GPS and I just couldn't find the next trail. And it was 20 miles out, uh, out further north. But I already had a a 58 or 60 mile day. Uh, So that was just yeah, desperation. And then Mm. um, we decided, okay, both of us will go on through the night and and until we meet up, uh, Joe had to do first that long trail. Then he got onto the PCT and then he was going to start heading south until he met me. And then both of us were, yeah, I fell asleep while running. I, I... had to lie down on the on the trail and, and sleep a bit until I woke up from the cold 15 minutes later and carry on. And then Joe was hallucinating at, at one point. Oh. Um, but then, yeah, the sun rose and, and we still didn't run into each other and then the sun got up a bit higher and then finally we saw each other and, and that moment was, yeah, beyond the... Uh, yeah, you're not able to describe it because... Most of us had been through such a horrendous night. And then the sun rises and and you see the mountains again. And then you see your your friend who's been with you for 48 days and very rough conditions. And then, yeah, that was a a glorious moment. But then, yeah, we we slept for two hours and carried on again. There was no (laughs) other way. We had to stay on schedule.
2: Some people would say, I think this is the definition of hell. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it was in a way, but I mean, if you go through hell, yeah, you can experience things that you cannot experience uh, in another way. I mean, yeah, sometimes it needs a bit of effort to experience something great.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah no doubt. So now looking back on it, you know, it's it's a, a year later since you started, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So looking back on it, are you glad you did it? Do you want to do it again? What's your perspective from here?
0: Yeah, so that's changed a bit over the, over the months. So the first half a year, I was like, okay, that was it. I'm done. Um, but I, from the first day, I was so happy with, with the experience and, and I would never um, doubt doing it again if I were to go back in time or something. Um, so I would always do it again. It was one of the greatest experiences in my life. Uh, but then at first, yeah, I was thinking, okay, I'll I'll never do this again, and and the the pain and the and the misery was just too big. But then, yeah, as I said before our um, recorded conversation, um, I'm slowly considering running the Appalachian Trail in in 2018. So it does seem that I'm not yeah too shocked by how it was, and and it does start to itch to, to get out onto a, an adventure like that again. So uh, it, I think it's, it's something positive that I even consider doing something like that again.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. I, but I have to warn you, you know, this is true. We forget the hard parts. We just remember the fun.
0: Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah. And I, I realize I'm, I'm doing that myself. I, I forget all the, the hard times and, and, to me now the pct seems like the adventure of a lifetime and it's it's nature and, and adventure and fun but yeah it was many hard moments as well or mostly hard moments even
2: well i can't let you go without asking this for our listeners who are not ultra runners but they're interested in it do you have some advice on how people can get started and get up to being able to do distances like this? Well, maybe not like this, but ultra running distances.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really important to to gradually grow into it, uh, because if you push it too fast, you'll get injured uh, in no time, even if you haven't been injured at all. For me, it was the same. I My whole life, I never was injured, and then I decided, okay, I'm going for the PCT. I started... Pushing it, and I got really bad shin splints that got me off training for two months. And then the next four months, I could feel my shins when I was running. So you really have to take your time if you want to get into it. Um, and then, yeah, do it at at places that you that you like. I mean, don't go for a, a marathon or a fifty or a sixty kilometer run in the city because then, yeah, you you won't find the energy to keep on going. You have to get into nature and, and then, yeah, you start to experience it yourself uh, if you go on and, and, and the feeling that it gives when you, or that you get when, when you do distances like that, uh, you kind of get into it.
2: Mm. Yeah, good word. I <laughs> it, The other question I have to ask is about your running pace, um, not how yeah. fast you're going, but your actual stride. So yeah. there, people think of jogging, that's one thing, and then there's sprinting, yeah. and then there's running, and then there's your ultra running stride. Yeah. How is yeah. that different?
0: Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's very different and, and also very important um, to do it. Um, yeah, usually people call it the, the ultra running shuffle or something. It's more like a shuffle. You're running in a very minimalistic way, saving energy as much as possible. So like your arms are, Close to your body, um, your stride isn't too big. You're you're not moving with with exaggeration. It's it's all very compact and and, and um, minimalistic. Uh, yeah, just to save on 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 energy. Um, so you do have to train on, on that as well.
2: You know, I've I've tried to run that way because I wanted to do longer distances, and yeah. I can't discipline myself to do it. <laughs> I just yeah. I reach out with my I have long legs and I, I like to use them and so I always go too fast I always make my stride yeah. too long which is yeah. bone jarring and exhausting but that's just yeah. me you know
0: yeah but also yeah what I experienced if you then keep on and keep on running somehow you just get into that shuffle anyway <laughs> even without thinking about it I mean if you run way past where you're comfortable. You end up running that that ultra shuffle. uh, (laughs) No choice. (laughs) Yeah, without uh, watching the internet, finding videos on how to do it, it's it's just the basic type of running when you're doing something like that. It's I I just think it's the the human body that makes you run like that.
2: Right. Well, Carl, man, what an amazing story! What an amazing feat! Congratulations!
0: Yeah, thank you. I am blown away
2: that you're able to pull this off. Uh, you know, to me, it's yeah. completely superhuman, you know, but yeah. very, very cool.
0: Yeah, it uh, was uh, just uh, an incredible experience. I'm, I'm so happy that I had the, the chance to do something like it. Yeah.
2: So, Carl, if people want to know more about your run on the PCT and also things that you're, you're planning for the future and that sort of stuff, how can they track with you?
0: Yeah, the easiest way would be my my Facebook page that is called Carl uh, Sub Ultra Running. Um, and on that page, I, I post what I'm currently doing. Uh, and soon I will start posting uh, videos on the PCT record attempt. They are edited and they will have some interviews and, and some voiceovers explaining uh, what is going on and, and how we we're doing at the time we have tons of footage and and we will start sharing that soon so uh, carl saba ultra running is the the facebook page and saba
2: is s a b b e
0: yeah correct and carl is a K-A-R-E-L. not not the it's not spelled the american way okay
2: so k a r e l s a b b e ultra running on facebook yeah. and so that's going to be the best way to To be able to see what you were doing and and live vicariously through you a little bit,
0: yeah. And also, if people are wondering if I will make the or if I will break the Appalachian Trail speed record as well, they can follow that there as well.
2: (laughs) Will you will you do us the favor of closing out the show by describing what it felt like on the last leg of the last day (laughs) when you finally (laughs) finished?
0: Yeah, I mean, it even yeah makes me uh, a bit emotional again. Uh, just thinking about it again, it's it's just there's so much going through your head, and and yeah, uh, it's it's pure joy. It's pure. Uh, you don't know what you're thinking anymore. It's it's so mixed feelings. It's it's uh, yeah, you know, it's all over. But do you want it to be over? Yes, but. On the other hand, no, it's it's, yeah, uh, it's incredible. I mean, when I was finishing and and some family was there as well at at the at the border and yeah, it was things to remember really, just for the rest of my uh, my life really.
2: Mm. So how did you celebrate when it was all
0: said and done? Uh, I had a cold beer. <laughs> 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 I'm uh, still a Belgian after all, so uh for me that was a yeah a way to celebrate that it was over but then yeah actually it wasn't over because joe and i had to drive all the way back to los angeles and then um the day after we had to fly back to belgium and the day after i started working again so
2: (laughs) uh, jet lagged (laughs) on top of all the rest
0: yeah yeah that was uh not the best choice but i i took two months off and and I had to really get back to work and and <laughs> it was a yeah a bit of a shock to me. But.
2: <laughs> that's amazing! Wow, yeah. wow! I have yeah. to ask, what kind of beer was it?
0: Uh, I think it was just the first one available, a local one. Uh, okay. I always drink. I always drink local beers. Um, I don't remember which one it was. It might have been a Canadian even as well because it was in uh, Manning Park. <laughs> but <yeah. laughs> that's funny. It was cold, it was delicious. (laughs) And uh, yeah. Well very, very cool. Yeah.
2: Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with us on the Adventure Sports Podcast, man. I, I know that our listeners are inspired. I know that I'm inspired. It's amazing what you did. Congratulations again and thank you again.
0: Yeah, you're very welcome. I always enjoy talking about it and I'm glad you were interested and it was yeah, great again to yeah get back some memories and and talk about it again thank you uh, as well
2: oh you bet and for all of our listeners out there while you don't have to set a land speed record on the pacific crest trail to have fun but it is one way to have fun if you want to as carl has proven to us so until the next show figure out what your fun is get out there and do it
1: coming up on thursday we'll have rock climber author and publisher of the climbing zine luke mayhall on until then get out and have some fun